Hard to believe we're at a crossover season again. Spring sports starting this weekend. Basketball in high gear as um, get, get the Sunbelt Tournament is kind of in sight at the end of this month uh, when it begins. And uh, like I said, a lot of spring sports stuff happening now. Uh, it's Thursday afternoon as we record this episode of the Purple and Bold podcast. I'm here with Noah Fleischman. As always, I'm Shane Metlin. Um, <clears throat> we've been out talking to, um, some of the athletes for lacrosse, softball, baseball here over the past week or two, uh, softball and lacrosse open up their seasons this weekend. Um, be, it will be big to see the lacrosse team or the softball team rather get back on the field after abrupt tragic ending to their season last year. Uh, a lot of new faces, but a lot of, uh, returning talent. Lacrosse team opens up as always with uh, North Carolina, and as usual, it seems in recent years, North Carolina's preseason number one. Uh, JMU also ranked in the preseason their number twelve, uh, but <clears throat> a stiff challenge to start the season um, for the Dukes. It is. I mean, but you know, as, as Shelley Clay said, you know, we talked through it, what last week. I mean. You know, it, it's simple. Like, you know, they, they always start with this game, North Carolina. North Carolina came here last year. I'm pretty sure Jamie went there a couple years ago, like, back and forth. And she's basically like, it's a good it's a good measuring stick to start the year. I mean, they hold themselves kind of at that level of, you know, they're trying to win a national championship. And North Carolina is definitely, like, the bar the past few years. And, I mean, Jamie won a title in 2018, so not too long ago. At this point, you know, they, she was basically like, everyone else is scared to play them. So they, they're just like, you know what, we'll play them. And I think, you know, you, you play competitive games against North Carolina open the year. I think it gives you really a really good start to your season. If you beat them, even better. And, you know, if you lose, it's it doesn't really hurt you too much. Yeah. I mean, they've shown in recent years, as you know, last year when there was no automatic berth available to them, they showed that, you know, losing those kinds of games early in the season don't keep you out of the NCAA tournament, um, especially when you can win a few games against ranked teams. Um, they got to a slow start last season. <clears throat> ended up playing really well, uh, peaking, you know, in May yep. when you when you want to in the sport of lacrosse. It seems like, though, maybe, um, you know, they talked about, you know, being ready to play and, you know, feeling like they could beat North Carolina to start last year, and it ended up being, didn't end up being the case. It was, you know, not, really not all that game. very competitive. And, you know, Jamie was a much better team by the end of the season than they were at that point. Are they more prepared to be competitive in this one this week? There's a lot of talent coming back, uh, but some question marks in certain places. Yeah, I mean they're kind of you know they're missing they're missing a few play people. One the graduation, you know, you're missing Casey Nabok to injury to start the year at least. You know they don't know how long she'll be gone. Um, so I mean that's a start. I mean you do return a lot of your production though. I mean you know Isabel Peterson probably <clears throat> the best player that that Jamie's had in a while. You know offensively you know she's back and you know she's doing what she does. And I think the real question comes down to who's in goal and then what happens there. Obviously replacing Molly who's been there for feels like twenty years. Yeah, it'll be. Uh, yeah, they throw they talk about you know just jumping right into it and you're doing it with a a veteran goalkeeper, Cat Buchanan. She's in her fifth year at JMU, but. She hasn't started a game like this in her career, being behind no. Molly Daugherty. No, she hasn't started a game like this. She's appeared 
in some high-level games. I mean, she played the NCAA tournament game um, against Loyola last year, which was kind of <coughs> trying to get Molly, because Molly struggled at the beginning. They put Cat in for six minutes, trying to give Molly a break, kind of, you know, get her ready, spark it, worked. Um, and Cat, you know, I think let three goals in, but, you know, she played against a really good Loyola team, and, and Loyola was really good that year, and, and, you know, she wasn't bad. It's just you run into a bus of a team, and I think, you know, it's her, her job to lose, and obviously she's been here for, for – it's her fifth year, and, you know, a lot of people – Commended not hitting the portal and leaving, going somewhere to play. And now she's got opportunity, and we'll see what she does with it. Yeah, you hit on um, <clears throat> Casey Knobloch injury. It's going to keep her out for a while. Whether or not she comes back this season at all is in question. Uh, they'll be without Lizzie Fox for this game. So, yeah. you know, shorthanded in the midfield, which is always tough against a team that gets up and down like, uh, like the Tar Heels. Uh, on the softball diamond, uh, Jamie's also getting started this weekend. They'll go down to Charleston. Playing a tournament that features College of Charleston, Indiana State, and Chattanooga. Um, Indiana State is the uh, is that the alma mater of Larry Bird? It is the alma. There we go. I'm not sure he was uh, all that involved in the <laughs> softball program there, but uh, but it is Larry Bird's alma mater, the the Sycamores. You know, one of, one of the rare there's there's a couple, but one of the rare uh, tree mascot teams and in, in college sports. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to off get us here. But. Oh no, no. What else do you know <laughs> about? Uh, I mean, that's about all I know about yeah. uh, Indiana State University. Sorry to the Sycamores, but you know, I think you know it'd be a good start to the year for for you know softball and company. They have a new stadium, or not really a new stadium, but a renovated stadium that they'll mm-hmm. come home to in a month. Um, but they spend their first month on the road and you know play some quality teams in these tournaments. Yeah, and I'll. Um, Stadium seats fifteen hundred now, with the up from six what six fifty it was yeah and there? you know that's that's the uh, permanent seating they've always been able to add some uh, additional seating for tournaments and big games and whatnot um, I think they might still be able to do that and you, you also will see people sitting on the outfield and the out, yeah out by the street um, in the uh, beyond the outfield wall I say you should sit in the middle of the outfield like just inside the wall you know yeah. obstacle yeah. course yeah. yeah. Could be tough, but <laughs> but yeah, when they they don't return home for a game until March, I think March tenth, I think is the uh, yeah home opener. Uh, but <clears throat> we'll be curious to see if the Sun Belt schedule they bring in some uh, big name teams and stuff for home games. If uh, we do see some big crowds for softball this year to support that team that has been a a fan favorite to begin with, and then has also been through. So much with the uh, loss of Lauren Burnett last spring, um, that season cut short. A lot of new faces um, in certain places. Some of them not even new faces, but faces in different places. Uh, you talk about um, Jasmine Halls moving to shortstop. She was one of their better hitters last year. They're going to have the freshman KK Mathis uh, playing second base, which she hasn't played a lot of second base in her life, but... From what it sounds like, from talking to Lauren Laporte the other day, she's just somebody that has to be in the starting lineup, so they found a place for her in the starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, they said they recruited her to play first base, but obviously when Hannah Schifflet comes back for another year, you you, you got to get both of them on the field at the same time. So that's what they did. And I talked to KK Mathis, you know, after that, and we'll have something out next week. But, yeah, she's really never played second base before. So she said it's a learning curve, but she's trying to learn and figure it out, and they really just need her bat in the lineup, I mean. She was Gatorade Player of the Year in Ohio last year. I mean, I think 10 home runs. Thinking off the top of my head, she had over 30 doubles. I mean, this girl this is someone that can hit, and I think that's what they want in the lineup. And, you know, 
rated number 19th in the recruiting class overall in the country, so the highest-rated recruit that JMU has been able to pull. And I think, you know, she's an opportunity to, to make a big impact on this team, especially just even <coughs> though she's learning a brand-new position, she said she's really played first and third most of her life and put her at second. Now she'll complete, you know, all she got to do is go to short, and she'll have the whole uh, the whole infield done. Yeah. Um, oh, and she can pitch. Yeah. I don't think she'll be called on the pitch much this year. No. It sounds like they've got, you know, five <laughs> five pitchers. It sounds like they're going to uh, rely on um, including uh, Alyssa Humphrey back from last year. It sounds like uh, Lexi Rogers is probably going to get more innings for this team. Uh, freshman Kyla Berry's in the mix and uh, transfer from Georgia also. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they end up using the pitching staff where the, there are more arms that sound like they're – in, in contention to get innings as opposed to some previous seasons where they basically had two people that they were going to rely on for the vast majority of the time. And they might end up uh, sliding back into that as people earn the role. But right now I couldn't tell you who will, you know, really be like maybe even the number one, number two pitcher on this team. Yeah. Lauren LaPorte kind of talks about it. She said like, you know, she wants them to be like a staff and be one unit. And I think, you know, that's probably the way they're going to at least approach the year. And if it shakes out differently, it shakes out differently. But she said they all bring different things, you know, to the circle and, and provide different looks. We, I think we'll see them use, um, like use multiple instead of just using two and kind of just having two aces and rolling with it. I think they'll, they'll kind of use it more. I mean, obviously you can have a dominant number one, but I think, I think after that they may just, you know, committee it the rest of the way. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a relatively young team still, even with some of the fifth-year players they have coming back. Hannah Shefflett, uh leading off is, you know, the big one, uh, probably the star player on this team. Uh, but going to be a lot of freshmen and sophomores playing key roles um, and new pitchers, different things. It's The interesting thing is that this is year. It's It seems like it's a long time since they were playing in the College World Series. So much has happened. It's been a couple of years. Yep. But this is really like the first time we really start to see the recruiting from that like payoff. And I think with, yeah. with these freshmen, you talk about KK Mathis being a top 20 recruit. Um, you know, Rebecca Ma, the, I think it's pronounced Ma Mu, I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, the pitcher transferred from Georgia was a really high level recruit who's coming in. Uh, Kyla Berry, the pitcher. There's some more pitchers coming in next year. So we're only the nature of spring sports is we're only really starting to see the recruiting bump from yeah. the College World Series appearance right now, and then probably another year or two before those are veteran players who are really like making an impact. Yeah, it's kind of funny how that works. I mean, the spring sports kind of you know you got to commit a little earlier and figure it out. But I mean, we talked about this last year with. You know, lacrosse and Shelly Clay mm-hmm. saying the same thing. Like they were just now seeing the girls that were committing. Obviously, lacrosse is different because they commit so much younger in their high school career. But same thing. And I think you know, JMU being on a national scale, we've seen it help recruiting. And I think that lacrosse um, softball is now gonna you know see the fruits of that. KK Mathis, I think, is like the prized recruit so far. And then I think we'll see it more, especially with the the new facilities that they've got. You know, that just help mm-hmm. them recruit against these these high level these high level. Um, teams and programs around the country yeah but you, you really hit on it because not only do they um commit early in some of these sports you know sophomore juniors then you also you know your season ends on a high note but it's late may june yeah. when it happens so that's recruiting class is already it's been, done it's already done yeah so you know it's years before you really start to see the boost from 
one of those breakout type seasons. Yeah, like I'd imagine after they went to the World Series, imagine you're really looking at what sophomores and maybe some juniors, but mainly sophomores. And I think that's mm-hmm. where you, you look at a KK Mathis was in that situation, and and you're able to land her. I mean, obviously, they like her. Yeah, and from from all indications, she's an impact player right away. That you know they felt like they had to get into the to the lineup. Uh, baseball still a week away from week. taking the field, but I know I know you've been out there. You've talked to Ike. Um, Anything just, you know, jumping out to you about the baseball program before we move on to some hoops? Yeah, right now, I mean, like, he really likes the pitching staff. They're really deep there. I mean, they return, you know, Donovan Burke, who had made two starts last year, had Tommy John, but, I mean, his last start of the year, he went seven innings, one hit, had a perfect game going. I mean, 13 strikeouts, very, very good pitcher. I mean, he'll be the ace, and you got Ryan Murphy. And then you've got T.R. Williams, a local kid who transferred from Tech. He'll be the Sunday starter, so really deep in the bullpen as well. So I think he was really excited about that. Obviously, the position players, the batting order, doesn't change a whole lot from last year. Outside of losing Chase Lauder, who they didn't really have for most of the year last year. So it's a, it's going to be a, a pretty similar lineup. Pitching staff changes a little bit, but overall I think he's excited. They'll, they'll start off at Florida State before coming home that Wednesday after with George Mason. But, yeah, very competitive schedule they'll play this year. I mean, Sunbelt is a stacked league. They're picked to finish 10th of 14. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and, you know, 10th of 14 is – in in the Sun Belt, when you're talking about a handful of teams that are expecting to be in the NCAA tournament, a couple I mean, of them Southern like Miss hosted a super co- yeah, a couple of them have legit uh, aspirations to go to Omaha. Um, you know, tenth, I think JMU eventually wants to be better than tenth in every single sport yeah. in this conference. But um, but I think everybody knew baseball was going to be a challenge this year, and that that's one program where JMU is still building a lot. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see just how competitive they can be off the bat as they move into the Sunbelt Conference. Uh, a couple teams have been competitive off the bat in the Sunbelt Conference are the JMU basketball teams, men's and women's. Uh, women struggling a little bit recently, however, um, went from looking like they could potentially run away with the uh, regular season title to now being in a log jam five-way tie for second um, now they're, they're behind the uh, Troy team that they beat here in Harrisonburg a couple weeks ago. Um, how much concern for the women's basketball team should fans have right now? I mean, I don't think there's too much concern yet. I think, you know, there's, what, six games left in the regular season, something mm-hmm. like that. So I think there's time they can figure it out. I mean, obviously, the top four seed is in front of them still. I mean, they, they hold, I think, a tiebreaker <clears throat> over a couple of those teams they're tied with. So, I mean, they just need to win, what? If you go four and two, three and three, even you maybe I think they'll be fine with with the, with the top four seed. And I think you know, Oregon said it earlier this week. They're not playing for an at large bid. I mean, like they're mm-hmm. playing for a top four seed. So like, it makes it takes a little pressure off. He goes, none of these teams are going to get an at large. So you just got to win the conference tournament and then make the easiest possible is to be a top four team. So I yeah, think that's kind of the the route they're going. Interesting enough, they sit at eight and four in the conference. And I broke this down a little bit in the story I wrote to preview the games this week is. Of those six teams that are kind of log jammed at the top, that have separated themselves a little bit, Jamie's undefeated against those teams. <laughs> Their losses have come to like the bottom middle of, of the pack or, <laughs> or or worse teams in conference, and they've been on the road um, for the most part. Um, but they return home Thursday for yep. what could be a tough one. Uh, Louisiana's record is not the best record in a conference, but they're one of those teams that's tied at eight four. And when you look at some of the games they've lost. They lost two overtime games to Troy. They've lost a handful of other close games. They're very, very close to 
being not only first place in the conference, but first place in the conference with a really, really impressive overall record. Yeah, I think when you look at it, that is the part of it. But we're also tied with them, so you need to mm-hmm. beat them. So you hold because it's the only time they're going to play them. So if you, yeah. you, you beat them, then you hold the tiebreaker on them. It's another tiebreaker. And JMU may be the, you know, if it if there are four or five that all tie together, then you that is a really, really key win. Um, and I think that's going to be something that's on the mind of Sean O'Regan. But at the end of the day, win as many games as possible. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, they, um, they have a couple games at home this week. Uh, which are just absolutely huge, as I mentioned. Louisiana play Arkansas State team that they should be able to handle at home. If you can get a couple of wins, including one against a good team, you, you might regain some of that momentum before yeah. you hit the road to close out the regular season. Uh, you still got to go down to ODU, which is suddenly one of those teams that's tied with them again. When uh, the first time they played, ODU was trending down, JMU was trending up. JMU handled it, you know relatively easy in the second half of that game yeah um so yeah everything looks a little bit different for uh the women's basketball team right now they're shaking up the lineup a little bit uh i expect we'll see maybe something a little bit more traditional is not the word but more what i think fans would probably expect um with you know what you would generally expect to consider their top five players i think will probably be in the lineup whether you know someone like Peyton McDaniel, who's come up the bench pretty much all year, continues to come up the bench because she kind of thrives in that role as the, you know the instant offense. I don't know, but I don't think we'll see you know Kiki Jefferson, who's in the top five in like almost every category in the Sun Belt Conference. Uh, I don't see, think we'll see her coming off the bench too much more. But I'll toss out a question for you: yeah. Does he shake the lineup still? Puts her back in. But keep Kobe King Huea in, who who did well starting, mm-hmm. and you take out a like someone like Claire Neff or Steph Outerkirk and just play them, and then have them both come off the bench. Because I think that's a that's a possibility that if he leaves and puts Kiki back in, and leaves Kobe in there with her. I I think it, yeah, I think it's a distinct possibility, especially since Kiki can play basically four positions for you. Yeah, uh, your center is pretty much a set. You got you know two good centers, and yeah. uh, Susha Kozlova has earned that starting role this year. Probably not going anywhere in the starting lineup. Um, you can kind of play four out around her if you want to. He's got that option. Um, he's been playing, you know, either Utterkirk or Neff at the four, starting most of these games, who can both go out and shoot the three a little bit. So you're already there. You could play, you know, a 6-1 Kiki Jefferson at, at the, the four, four if you wanted to or, you know, go a little bit smaller. Um you got a couple of players who can play point guard. You, you basically would have four ball handlers on the floor yeah. in that regard. It, it, you know, maybe you can run. You know, yeah. Um, I w- I wouldn't be shocked at all uh, because, like he, he said it when he talked to us on Tuesday, too. Yeah, that, like you know, Kobe King Hawaii is a player that responds well to being in the starting lineup. But she's you know, some teams there there are certain players who like you know they get done with warm ups and they want to be <laughs> back on the floor like as soon as the ball's tipped and you know, there's yeah. others who. You know, can can sit and simmer a little bit and still come in hot, and um, it's kind of it, it's fascinating to kind of see how different players respond to different things. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if both of them are in the starting lineup going forward. When yeah, it was sort of a case where Kobe was coming in for Kiki a lot at certain points this season. Yeah, I mean she was, but I think now I think they're they're comfortable playing with each other. I mean, part of it was that Kobe didn't play the first half of the year then played got hurt mm-hmm. i mean so like 
Yeah, she's, she's able to handle more and more minutes as the season goes on. So yeah. different, different situation. Different. Yeah, but yeah. I think you know, I think that won't be surprising if we see them in the lineup together, especially if they don't start together. They'll be on the floor together. I think. I think especially at this point this year. And uh, these last six games are big, not only in the conference race, but also you want to head in the down the Florida on a feeling good about yourself, and you don't want to be down there on a skid and you know have to try to manufacture momentum. You want to have it going in. Yeah, things are a little flip flopped for the men's team. They are. Um, you know, both in like the momentum they have right now, and also the scheduling where they're going to play a couple more games on the road this weekend before they come home and have four home games to close out the regular season. That should be absolutely huge, as they are, you know, also fighting right in the mix um, among those group of four teams that have separated themselves slightly at the top of the conference, um, but not so much that they can afford afford to slip up too much if they want to have a top four seed going down to Pensacola, you know, here just in a few weeks away at this point. Yeah, I think so, and I think you know. This is a JMU team that, you know, they got two more road games this week after winning the last two last week. I think you they went to win them both, split them this week even. You come back on that note, I think that game against ODU and Harrisonburg is going to be a wild night. But, yeah, I think, you know, they'll start off with Georgia Southern. It's a, it's a big game. They're going to be doing it without Terrell Strickland. He's done for the year. I bet, you know, he was probably looking forward to the rematch with, with Ty, but it's going to have to <clears throat> gonna have to just settle with the one game that they had. Yeah, and, and frankly, you know, He's out for the year. Um, he was never playing more than you know a couple minutes at a time uh, here for the last several weeks. Like yeah. really, the majority of the season. Uh, it almost makes you wonder if they shouldn't have shut it down. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty in this, but it almost makes you wonder if they shouldn't have shut it down like earlier and try to save you know the possibility of a medical redshirt or something. Um, yeah, but I mean, you never know how it's going to go, and you know, it. There'd been like talk that similar injuries that he's had in the past were creeping up, but on the opposite side. Um, so, n- not not terribly surprising at this point that you know he ended up having to have surgery. He, but given the fact that he's not been able to go extensively much this season, not not a huge loss when you look at how. Uh, Tyree and Nacho has been playing lately. And it sounds like, you know, Votto Morse has missed a couple games, a game and a half. May miss another game or two, but it sounds like he's going to be back for the stretch run. Uh, that his shoulder injury is probably not as bad as they might have feared at halftime of the uh, ODU game about a week ago. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that that's not really something they're probably too worried about. I mean, they probably think he'll be back. I think, you know, I think the piece that is a big piece of the puzzle, if they can get. Alonzo Soule back before going down mm-hmm. the Florida. I think that'd be the biggest one. You know, if they can get him back for the last few home games and then go down there, that'd be great. I mean, I don't really think they know too much other than know that he doesn't need <clears throat> surgery, which I think is the best the best case scenario right now for them. But I think that's kind of the missing piece that if they add him back, it's a different looking team. Yeah, I think you get him back, especially because you know they should be able to match up with Georgia Southern and Coastal Carolina this week. But we talked about those four game homestand to in the regular season. It's going to have them playing against, um, you know, they, an ODU team that they matched up well without him. They're not as big as some of the previous ODU teams we've seen. But Louisiana is big. They've got a true center who's dominant. Um, Marshall's got some size and also likes to run with that size. So a guy that athletic could be really huge in a couple of those games that 
may end up determining where JMU finishes in this initial Sunbelt Conference race. Yeah, I think it will, and I think that he will be a good addition back if they can get him back healthy on the court. I guess we'll have to, to wait and see how his body responds to you know whatever rehab they're getting him going through. Yeah, but winners of six of the last seven, the only loss was at um, Southern Miss a team that's playing Louisiana tonight with first place on the line. Um, nobody's won in Hattiesburg this year, so Jamie losing there is not any kind of a surprise. The Dukes, since having a three-game losing streak early in the season, have been playing about the way I think a lot of us expected them to play yeah. this season. But what have you seen in these recent games that have you know, kind of been the pillar or the indicator of like what's been going right for them, what, what they've been doing so well recently? Yeah, they they call this man Drew Curry, and I think you know Julian <coughs> Wooden, you know his three ball finally falling. I mean, he did it at ODU, and they did it the next game after mm-hmm. that. I think you know that's kind of the, the missing piece, and he's playing well right now. And I think that you know without Alonzo Sule, they needed someone to pick up the slack, and I think he's he's done that. You know, p- with production, he he is obviously a different kind of player, but he stretches the floor and helps them you know create other shots for the people too. So I think you know that helps, and it's good to have a a, sh- a guy, a big man that can knock down a bunch of threes that he did at ODU, and I think you know mm-hmm. at one point. Felt like every time he pulled up, he got it, and you know, a little behind the back pass from Terrence Edwards to him in, in the corner was too. Yeah, but um, you know, eight threes for him uh, last week in two games, uh, and some big ones, some you know, ones that pushed the lead a little bit and, mm-hmm. and keep and it going. Essentially, the game winner at uh, App State. Yep, uh, put them ahead for good in that one with about a minute to go. Um, he likes that corner, uh, and he's he's really good at. Um, Shooting off the pass, catching you know the kick out when somebody like Terrence Edwards, you, talk, you talked about the behind the back pass, but you know there, there's been other times where like uh, those guys you know draw the defense to the basket and are able to kick it out to him, and uh, they've got multiple guys who are shooting well in that particular scenario right now. Yeah, they do, and I think that that's something that they're going to have to use to their advantage. Um, but yeah, I mean everyone's shooting the ball well, which is good this time of the year. Yeah. So four games here uh to close out the week for the men and the women uh for total um we talked about you know the men play at georgia southern at coastal carolina two teams that have been struggling but two teams they've already beaten yeah two teams have already beaten but two teams that have shown an ability to compete at times this year yep. um will we see either one of those teams um will we see the last gasp from either one of those two teams i guess is the question um, or are they kind of shutting it down for the for the season now? You know, they're both struggling. By struggling, I mean on long losing streaks. <clears throat> so I don't – I mean, they're at home, which helps. But Jamie's a hot team right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think – I mean, when we watched these two teams play before, it really wasn't much. I mean, they blew out Coastal, I'm pretty sure, right? I mean, wasn't anything spectacular there. And So I think, you know, I think JMU has a shot to go 2-0 this week on the men's side and, and really come back home firing on those last four. I think that's going to be a really big stretch for them. And then I think they're happy to have these last four after these two um, at home and going into Pensacola on a high note. So I think, you know, if they can win out, Dukes will be rolling. Okay. Uh, so I guess your prediction then is I'm saying two, they're going to go 2-0 two two and and for this week. How about the women? Um, at home, but like I said, tough Louisiana game. Won't be easy. Um, they should handle I 
we haven't even barely talked about Arkansas State. They've been struggling. Um, yeah, like they have in basically all their sports this year. <laughs> it's it's a rough year for the Red Wolves uh, athletically. Um, but, you know, women's basketball, men's basketball, both struggling. Um, so if, if Jamie doesn't at least split in the, they, on the women's yeah. side, that that's a disaster. Um, I think they I, need, I hate saying the word disaster when I'm talking about sports, but that's like that's that's not good. terrible. Yeah, if they don't at least split, um, how likely do you think they are to also? You, you predict the men can go two and one or two and zero. Oh, how about the women? Can they do it? I think they can do it if you know they play well. Obviously, last week, you know, the past few games, if not, you know, it's been up and down for them. Um, I think if they can come out firing, if they're going to play inspired, you know, Coach Regan talked about them playing inspired tonight. It's the pink out game mm-hmm. and all that. So I think, you know, that gives them a good shot to win a chippy game. And it's going to be a tight one probably. And I, th- I think I'm looking forward to it. Um, but, yeah, I think that they play inspired. I think they win. And I think they can sweep this week too. So I think, you know, the hoops program can go 4-0. But now they just got to you know, actually do it. Yeah. That would be big for, uh, you know, Jamie as a whole if they can do that. Uh, put, them in, put them in good position for uh, favorable seating in Pensacola in a couple of weeks. Did you know Pensacola is in the central time zone? The more you know. Well, <laughs> most of some else in the central time zone. I know, but, like, I didn't know that any of Florida was in the central time zone until I started. Is it on the panhandle? Until I, yeah, until I started. Hmm. It, it's, it's less than an hour from Mobile. Shane so, probably uh, started looking at the calendar. I was, was like, looking wow, at, these like, are some uh, weird times. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was looking at uh, preparing for a trip down there. Um in early March, and yeah, found out that there is a part of Florida in the Central Time Zone, which I had no idea. Uh, I grew up in the Central Time Zone. It's hard to imagine. This is just far away from yeah. that part of the Central Time Zone. Yeah, but it's hard to imagine that I was in the same time zone as uh, Pensacola, Florida, all those years. But there you go. Who knew? But <clears throat> with that, I think it's about time to uh, wrap up this episode of the Purple and Bold podcast. Uh, I'm Shane Metlin. With me, as always, talking JMU Sports, Noah Fleischman. And thank you for listening.